back to Pastor Life Podcast for Pinnacle Leadership Associates. I'm David Brown. And I'm Rhonda Blevins. So, David, it's been just over a year that churches everywhere stopped in-person gatherings because of the pandemic. Now, my church has resumed in-person worship. How about yours? You know, Rhonda, I remember last March, a year ago, when we were all hoping to pause in-person gatherings for a few weeks and get back together by Easter, right? Yeah. Well, we are still worshiping via Zoom, but we are planning to gather outdoors for Easter sunrise worship in a local cemetery here in Rock Hill. And then we are starting some conversations about possibly being indoors back at the Winthrop Wesley Foundation in May. And the word conversation nails it, because even though we, my church, resumed in-person worship several months ago with some strict practices to keep everyone safe, we're having to have some new conversations as we begin to consider making our way into a post-COVID way of life together. And I'm finding that new, um, how shall I say, opportunities for conflict are presenting themselves opportunities for conflict. I like that. That sounds about right. So in this episode of Pastor Life, we'll talk about ways to move through this next transition from pandemic to post-pandemic at the congregational level and at the personal level for pastors. So with that, let's talk about the nimble pastor life. So in this first segment, we're thinking about how the congregation can navigate from pandemic to post-pandemic in terms of our way of life together. And Rhonda, you just mentioned that phrase, new opportunities for conflict, which I think is uh, just a really great way to put it. Rhonda, how are you seeing these discussions, conversations, opportunities for conflict playing out in your ministry setting? Well, let me share a case study or or maybe just an example from my church. Now, like I said, we've been worshiping in person as well as online for a few months now, but without congregational singing. And instead of that, we've used mostly solos and duets, one or two people to carry the songs on behalf of the people. Uh, The singers are masks. They're behind plexiglass. And, you know, it's not ideal but it's about as safe as you could have live singing during COVID. Uh, But recently, more and more of our choir members have completed their vaccinations and they have started expressing an interest in, you know, let's get the band back together. So in consultation with our parish nurse and my COVID advisory team, we started talking about um, inviting folks back to the choir after they've received their vaccine and, you know, the two-week waiting period that follows. And that seemed pretty reasonable to us. And then I got the email. I need to make an appointment with you, Pastor. <laughs> you know those emails, right? I do know those emails or those phone calls where the person says, I'm on my way to your office. Ooh, Will yeah, you still be better. there in five minutes? Right, right. <laughs> I know those too. Well, in my naivete, I just, I don't know. I just assumed everybody in the choir would be happy, maybe even eager to get their COVID vaccine. But uh, you know what assuming does, right? <laughs> I do know what assuming mm-hmm. does, but I won't say it on air. Thank you. Okay, well, that's probably good. So the person needing to talk with me suggested that uh, we, or maybe more 
I was discriminating against those who were choosing not to be vaccinated. Now, this person isn't necessarily anti-vax, naming that the FDA has only approved the uh, vaccines for emergency approval. And You know, even though I take a different stance, I recognize that part of my job as pastor is to create space um, for people with lots of different opinions on things. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, that conversation happened. And uh, well, then I made a second mistake. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So um, I told my board about this issue in the choir. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. (laughs) Uh-oh. So so what did the board do? How did they respond? Yeah. So uh, being a church board, you know, they asked the lawyer (laughs) to uh to draft a waiver that choir members would have to sign to return to the choir, requiring them to sign, uh, I guess that's called kind of an assumption of risk waiver. Uh, And, you know, when they were talking about it, it didn't feel great in the moment, but I didn't have anything better to offer. Right, right. Now, as I'm thinking about it, though, Rhonda, weren't you the person who wrote a Pinnacle article about creating a covenant for this return to in-person worship? Oh, guilty as charged. <laughs> yeah. So in that board meeting, I, I, it just kind of, I wasn't thinking about that, right? Uh, that covenant that we worked really hard to develop as a board months earlier. Um, but it was the next day when I thought, you know, we have a way to do this. What are we thinking? And so the board even right now, they're kind of debating the waiver. But in the meantime, I asked the choir director to lead the choir in creating their own specific covenant for returning to choir. And maybe they could use our larger church covenant as a model. And this seems more appropriate to me than making our our dear, beloved choir members sign a waiver, you know, of liability, which just feels gross to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. I mean, a, a covenant. That sounds a little bit better, right? A little more biblical, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, Remind me about the covenant. How did you guys uh, come to that? How did it develop? Yeah, so like I said, we've been worshiping in person for a few months now. um, And as we were contemplating returning back to in-person worship, uh, we did a survey. And it was born out of a felt need and, and also an express need. One person named, she wrote on her survey, I just want to know that others are being as safe as I am being. And so a physician in our congregation suggested that we adopt a, what he called a social contract, an agreement for mutual benefit between individuals and the community as a whole. And as he was talking about the social contract, I was like, oh, wait a minute. There's there's a biblical word for that, and the word is covenant. And so, you know, a covenant is an agreement. Usually it's a formal agreement between two or more persons to do or, or maybe not do something specific. So my church board adopted a simple covenant for returning to worship. Um, and I think it needs to be pretty simple because if it gets too, you know, if there are too many clauses, it, the impact is easily lost. So obviously, you know, there was a process involved in coming to that covenant with your congregation. What ended up being a part of it? Um, Yeah, so it includes things like keeping six-foot distance, wearing masks, cleaning and sanitizing, um, staying home if we have symptoms, refraining from hugging, yuck, offering alternatives to passing offering plates and communion trays. But, But the first clause in our covenant may be the most important for the next manifestation of church life. And our clause reads like this. It says, we will assume the best in one another and be patient with each other as we navigate a new reality. 
That's a great phrase, uh, to assume the best in one another. Really, if we could abide by that, not just in COVID times or transition times, I mean, that's a great first line for a church covenant in any time. Yeah. But particularly when people are wanting to come back together, some of them are vaccinated, some of them are choosing not to be, at least at this point. It seems like that assuming the best of one another and being patient with one another is critical for this period. Yes, I definitely think so. <clears throat> and I, I hope that our choir can work it out. I think they can. And pretty soon, uh, we're going to have to update our church's covenant as well. <laughs> A doctor in the church suggested that, <laughs> that, that we put all the vaccinated people toward the front of the sanctuary uh, with, without social distance measures, and then the unvaccinated people would sit in the back. Um, and, you know, I guess that makes some sense medically, but from a community perspective, ooh. <laughs> yeah, I'm not so sure about that one. Just the feel of that doesn't, it doesn't seem right. <laughs> I don't think we're going to do that, but um, soon enough, we are going to have to work out a new covenant. But, you know, if we can't figure out how to navigate differences in the church, man, there's just not much hope for the rest of the world, right? Absolutely. If we can't take care of those opportunities for conflict within mm -hmm. ourselves, then, you know, our witness in the world you're, you're exactly right. Uh, it's, it's not going to shine very bright. You know, Rhonda, as we put this episode up online and uh, get the session notes ready, I hope maybe you will share your church's covenant, this in-person worship covenant. And, you know, maybe when your choir develops theirs, that you would share both of those in the session notes. Oh, yeah, yeah, I sure will. I sure will. Um, but let's shift the conversation for just a minute uh, from the church to the pastor. Now, David, you shared an article with me suggesting that pastors may be entering the hardest part of the pandemic. Um, so why don't you share your thoughts on the article, maybe whether you think the author is onto something or not? Tell us about it. Yeah, for sure. This was an article that I came across in a social media feed and just kind of clicked on. Um, it's Laura Stevens-Reed who wrote the article, and basically her thesis was this could be the hardest period of the pandemic for pastors. Yay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Aren't you excited? <laughs> Fantastic. And I think that headline caught my attention because just thinking back on this past year, there have been an awful lot of hardest periods of the pandemic for pastors, it seems like. So her idea or her thesis in uh, making this case is that with vaccine timelines and participation, like you mentioned, some people already having gotten vaccines and eager to get back to worship, others choosing not to, or it's not available to them yet. Some of those people who it's not available to yet are the pastors. <laughs> right. And in some states, you know, pastors have been able to get vaccines. Add on top of that, the pressure of Holy Week and Easter, which are right on top of us. Add on top of that, the changing face of ministry. We've developed second campuses in the online space recently. How do we keep those going? What, what does the role of the pastor look like in this emerging way of being church together? And then put all of that on top of just the tiredness, the anxiety, the decision fatigue that I think many pastors have been feeling over these past months. So I, I think I might agree with her 
that these might be the toughest times in the pandemic for pastors. Yeah. You know, I, when you share that with me, I thought, oh, surely not. But but I read the article and I, I began to think that may, she may be right, too. And I think part of it may be that we're beginning to move out of hopelessness into hopefulness. And then uh, and then the conflicts emerge, for instance, like the one I shared a moment ago. Um, and it just kind of knocks you back from your hopefulness a few feet and I wonder if that, you know, that's part of the decision fatigue or or the, the anxiety of trying to lead congregations through this uh, next transition. That makes sense to me. And I like the way that you talked about hopelessness to hopefulness, because that sense of expectation, you know, I think it also plays out in different ways for different people. And when there are competing expectations and pastors are feeling caught in the middle I think it also points us to this realization that we're going to be leading groups of people who are consistently divided on the issues of the day. And as pastors, we're also going to be leading through transitional times more and more often. It's almost like transition is the norm. Yeah, we talk about VUCA a lot at Pinnacle, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. Is that the you right You got one? it. You got <laughs> ambiguity. it. Um, and that's just kind of a part of our every conversation, it seems like, lately. Yes. And I think navigating those transitional times and navigating those conversations is going to be a new core competency for ministry. Ooh, you yeah. know, if we're going to be effective as ministers, we're going to have to develop the capacity for leading divided people through transitional times. Man, that's a seminary class right there. I didn't take that class in seminary, did you? <laughs> I did not. And uh, as you know, I think we may have a, an episode down the line about all the things that we didn't learn in seminary. Yep. So maybe that one goes on the list, right? Maybe, for sure. This all really made me uh, reflect on our previous pod episodes, and it actually made me feel very good about them. I've, I feel like part of what we've done so far in these first six and now seven episodes is we've really started developing a toolbox for ministry in transitional times. Oh, yeah. You know, we've talked about Sabbath, which I think is going to be critical for pastors to survive mm -hmm. uh, in uncertain times. We've talked about leading through disruptive times. We've talked about ritual and rule of life. And we talked about clergy well-being. And so I, th I think that conversation, especially from last week, is a, a great spot to pick up and think about what are the tools in our toolbox that help us to survive and maybe even to thrive in transitional times. Yeah. You know, the phrase new normal. Um, right. If we could just recognize um, and, and maybe just grow comfortable with the idea that this volatility, this uh, transitional type of ministry is our new normal, then, then maybe we would take better care of ourselves and not get too, um, caught up in the <laughs> unhealthy rhythms that paths that we pastors can find ourselves in. Yeah, that's a great point, and it really brings me back to a reaction that I had to the inventory from last week, the okay. pastors' wellness inventory. 
and somehow it didn't make it into our conversation last week, but one of the things that the inventory asked us to rate ourselves on was our life balance. Uh-huh. It happened to be one of the things I did not score myself very well on. And I think that was true for you too, Rhonda, if I'm remembering That's right. right. Mm-hmm. And it made me think that I'm not sure whether balance is all that possible in the pastor life or maybe oh. in life in general. Say more. I wonder if rhythm, which is a word you just used a minute ago, if rhythm is maybe a better word to use as a frame of reference. Okay. Yeah, I feel like there are times in my life where I have been in rhythm and the the pieces of life, the activities of life, the relationships in life have have ebbed and flowed in positive ways and the busyness and the downtime, you know, that rhythm of life has been good. I also can definitely look at times in life and remember and and realize that the rhythm was really bad. Hmm. I'm not sure how often I have felt that I've achieved balance in life. Yeah, that's a good point. It's like the carrot on the stick, you know, that leads the horse. I just never quite get there, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I wonder if rhythm, if it can bring some of our faith resources to bear on things, you know, rhythm in terms of the rhythms of the church year or the rhythms of nature or the rhythms of day and night, Um, Mm. you know, the rhythms in music, uh, the rhythms in Sabbath and work. So, you know, maybe that is balance. Maybe Maybe I'm just talking semantics here, but it seems like maybe there's something about that idea of rhythm. And if we can find a rhythm in the midst of transition, it may not always feel like balance, but it could still be a, a helpful way to think about self-care and and paying attention to ourselves in the midst of chaos or uncertainty, uh, volatility. So rhythm is a, a musical term. And if you think about great works of, of music, musical compositions, there are times in those uh, compositions where the music is fast and, and furious and, you know, forte, right? Uh, allegro. And there are times in the in the piece where it's uh, soft and slow and pianissimo, right? Um, Andante, I think, may be the, the right word to use there. And so if we think about our lives as having rhythm, that you know, we can accept that there are times in our lives that are fast and furious. You know, Holy Week, for instance, mm-hmm. is kind of for pastors, fast and furious. Uh, and then, you know, maybe over the summer, there's a little chance to breathe, a little a little downtime, a little slower pace. Um, right. And if we can accept those rhythms into our life, maybe balance isn't the right thing to strive for, but just understanding that there is a natural rhythm to the pastor life. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I wonder if the article that we've been talking about, if if that's right, if this is going to be one of the more challenging times moving through Holy Week and navigating a return to in-person worship, a return to, you know, some of the aspects of church life that people are really longing for and wanting to get back to, return to. So if it is going to be one of the most challenging times and maybe one of the harder times to find balance or rhythm, I was trying to just think about a little to-do list, a little mental checklist. 
And maybe when we're feeling a little out of control or a little stretched too thin, that a checklist would help us to come back to reality and to regain a bit of rhythm in the midst of, of everything. I like it. What is it? Share it. So the list starts with take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. And probably that would do us some good no matter what sort of rhythm we're in. Take a deep breath. Check in with yourself. Check in with yourself. Notice what you're feeling. Notice the emotions, the thoughts. Notice your physical body. Pay attention and notice how you're feeling. But then beyond that, take stock of your resources. I think sometimes when we're feeling strung out or overwhelmed, we feel like we're in it by ourselves. But the reality is we have resources as pastors. We have colleagues, we have friends, we have books, we have... Pastor Life Podcast. (laughs) We have Pastor Life Podcast. We have resources. We have people. We have human resources. We have other resources that that support, encourage, feed us. So take stock of those. Returning to one of the things in our podcast toolbox, be intentional about Sabbath. You know, that Sabbath way of life that we talked about. Be intentional about it. And that might look different during Holy Week. We might be looking for Sabbath moments or a Sabbath hour rather than a Sabbath day, a full day of Mm -hmm. Sabbath. And, and then as we start to look kind of outside of ourselves, so I think the first three or four of these things on the list were really about an inward look. And then the last three are about kind of turning outward. And um, so I said, engage in conversations about things that matter. And I think what's unspoken in that part of the to-do list is do what you can to avoid conversations about things that don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> You know, when we're having those conversations with our parishioners about things that really matter in life, then we can get a little perspective on the nitpicky things that tend to be personal preference, Mm -hmm. that tend to cause disagreements, that tend to become opportunities for conflict. So engage in conversations about things that matter, but create appropriate boundaries. And we probably could do a whole podcast on boundaries. Oh, my. But uh, as much as possible, pastors need to create those appropriate boundaries uh, so that we're not taking everything home with us and laying it down on the pillow next to us. And if we can create those boundaries, it gives a little bit of a sense of of space, a little bit of self-differentiation to be able to really do our work well and do the things God's called us to well. And then the final thing I put on my list was give and receive grace. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think we can sometimes be good at giving it, but not at receiving it. Or maybe some of us are good at the reverse. We want to receive grace, but we're not all that willing to give it to others. So if we can, in our relationships, give and receive grace. I think that's a great list, David. Um, We need to... Yeah, we need to share that more broadly. Uh, perhaps we'll we'll figure out a way to do that. But uh, you know, especially going into Holy Week, when it can be the Fast and Furious and the Forte, right? It, 
uh, taking a deep breath, checking in with ourselves, taking stock of our resources, Sabbath, important conversations, boundaries, grace. <laughs> You've nailed it. You, you really have. Well, I think this is really this time in the pandemic, this time when we're leading churches through transition, this is the work, uh, you know, where all the time and energy and work that we put in to love our people and to build trust, mm -hmm. this is when it pays off. So hopefully we've been spending our time and energy doing that. And now we get to reap the benefit or cash in the chips or see how that trust helps us to work together as we face challenges. Yeah, that's a good word. Thank you, David. And I think we got to lean into that first line from your church covenant. Remind me of that again. Oh, um, okay. We will assume the best in one another and be patient with each other as we navigate a new reality. Yeah, that seems like a good place to start. And well, maybe that's uh, also a good place to end. So David, thanks for the conversation on this timely topic. Um, I think it's it's a good reminder for me and hopefully other pastors that are joining us in this podcast adventure. Yeah, thank you, Rhonda. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of Pastor Life from Pinnacle Leadership Associates. Be sure and check out our website at pinlead.com slash pastorlife. That's P-I-N-N-L-E-A-D.com slash pastor hyphen life for session notes from this and previous podcasts. You will also want to check out the rest of the site to learn about clergy coaching, church consulting, as well as resources for leading adaptive change in your congregations. And sign up for our weekly e-news with relevant articles and other resources from our team, as well as information about upcoming webinars and coaching cohorts. So, Rhonda, have you noticed any opportunities for conflict in other areas of your life? <laughs> well, probably, but I'm not going to tell you about it. <laughs> <laughs>